Welcome to the Are Your Hands Full podcast, a step-by-step parenting podcast for your Jewish family. My name is Dr. S. Yaroslavitz, and I hope you enjoy this episode. The Wrong Way Down a One-Way Street. The date was August 7th, 2012. It was the day of my doctoral dissertation, the day I would become a doctor. It was a day filled with the today is the first day of the rest of your life feeling. My online doctoral work at University of Oklahoma's Rehabilitation Science Department, especially designed for occupational and physical therapists, had involved 36 long months of round-the-clock 24-6, unbearably difficult academic work, which included writing hundreds of articles and papers, taking multiple tests, two 24-hour exams, three years of research, and finally the moment of truth, an oral dissertation to be followed by a defense. During the defense, an audience of professors who had studied the topic of my research were invited to challenge my thesis and grade my ability to defend my research position. My research topic was a study of family health in Haredi second and third generation survivors of the Holocaust. I flash back to the day the decision was made to study my people, descendants of survivors of the Holocaust. My supervisor knew nothing about the Holocaust. How could I expect her to? After all, how much Holocaust education exists in Oklahoma City? but she wanted to study the family health of any population of my choosing, and so I chose our people, offspring of those who had survived the Holocaust, people who are not strangers to adversity, to hard work, to determination, people who are not afraid to fall, pick themselves up, and forge onward. And so for the next three years, I lived and breathed survivors, survivor syndrome, survivor parenting skills, survivor communication skills, survivor value systems, survivor fears, survivor trauma, the list was endless. Finally, the results of all the statistical studies were complete. My PowerPoint presentation was prepared. Suddenly, I found myself in front of an audience of 75 professors. None were Jewish. They were polite and extremely attentive, They were curious about Holocaust survivors, a population that is so unfamiliar to them, yet so familiar to us. I delivered my PowerPoint presentation, smooth, without a hitch. I noticed the audience passing around tissues. They were clearly moved. They understood. They were impressed with the challenges we face and the tools we use to overcome them. Then the questions began. Most of them were about my research strategies, about logistics. How did I find these people? Oh, no problem, just come to my neck of the woods and roam the streets. You'll find them a dime a dozen, I told them. Slowly and carefully, I answered each question. The audience began to shift in their seats, indicating that they were running out of questions. I remained quiet, expectant, not daring to allow myself to breathe yet. Almost there, I told myself. Hang in there, almost there. And just at that point, a pleasant-looking professor stood up. He had a question. I intuitively braced myself again. He said, In anticipation of your dissertation, I did some reading and studied Haredim. 
I found a few articles that indicated that Haredim resist therapy and medications designed to battle mental health diagnoses and would rather bury their problems under the rug. At this point, my heart dropped a mile, and whatever, whatever breaths I thought I might have the luxury of breathing were placed on hold. You see, I knew where he was headed, and I had absolutely no idea how I was going to feel the question that was on its way. Why, he continued, is there anything in the Haredi culture or religion that negates taking care of oneself, of helping oneself, of curing oneself? If survivors of 9-11, the Oklahoma City bombing, and Hurricane Katrina accept the help they need, why don't your people do the same? I was stuck. Bain ha-patish between a rock and a hard place. Answer such a question and expose our vulnerabilities to a non-Jew? Never, not a chance. Describe some of our perceptions of therapists and mental health clinicians to someone who had spent a lifetime in this field and risked failing my dissertation? Not so smart. I was stuck. At precisely that moment, Hashem miraculously provided me with the perfect response. I said to him, If you have researched the Haredi culture and religion, you must be familiar with our Sabbath. You might also know that because Sabbath, the day of rest, involves refraining from cooking, cleaning, and bathing, our preparations for the Sabbath render Friday a very busy day. Either way, at sundown, on Friday, every woman who has gotten married approaches a table upon which a candelabra or candles have been set. She lights the candles and takes a moment to recite a special blessing and a prayer over them. This ceremony heralds the onset of this Sabbath. The audience was interested. They had clearly never been exposed to Shabbos. I took a deep breath and plunged onward. I must be honest with you, I said. Although I would like to tell you that I am always ready to light the candles when the time arrives, I cannot. There are some Fridays that I approach the candles with a few moments to spare. During those moments, I take time to connect to the one above by reciting a chapter or two of Psalms. Those moments are very special. But then I must confess, there are times that I arrive at that tab table as if on roller skates at the last second, and that doesn't feel right. I stopped for effect. Either way, I continued speaking very slowly, I light those candles on time. I saw the beginnings of understanding dawn on their faces. I know clinicians might say that an action is only worthwhile if a person has attained readiness. Based on this, they might tell a woman that if she is on roller skates on one Friday, it would be fine if she were to skip candle lighting and wait until a better week. This advice would be counterintuitive to a Haredi and would therefore be culturally inappropriate. It would be analogous to traveling the wrong way down a one-way street. I stopped. The audience nodded its collective head. They were experiencing the fundamental truth of Adam Nifal Kathif Ulosa. And do you know what happens when a woman happens to skip candlelighting on a Friday evening? I asked them. They did not. But the look on their faces indicated that they were expecting some graphic discussion of some deep level of Gehenna. A therapist might say, 
get to the root of the problem. Work with the woman to find, to find out why she forgot to light candles. Find out why she is not emotionally ready to light candles and work on her emotional status until candle lighting becomes natural to her, right? I asked them. They nodded their heads. Well, I explained, Judaism believes otherwise. Judaism believes that extra action will change the individual on the inside to the extent that this woman will not forget to light her candles again. So, I continued, nothing much happens other than she lights an extra candle for every Sabbath for the rest of her life. No fancy explanations, discussions, and digging into the depth of her soul. Simply more action. Additional candle lighting. Another candle. That's all. Then I tied the whole thing together. And this, my colleagues, is the beauty of occupational therapy. Occupational therapy is about occupation, about performance, about function. Its framework espouses the patient's becoming based on activity. There, I had said it, nase venishma, yidin do first, unconditionally, no matter what. The pleasant looking professor who had asked the original question smiled. He clearly liked my answer. And then he said, based on your answer, I see that we're going to have to train many Haredi therapists, right? But I smiled and did not appreciate the depth of his statement. At that time, all I really wanted was my doctorate. Seven years have passed since the day that I defended the Jewish position of action first to an audience of non-Jews. Since then, I was able to create and author the Handsful Parenting Program which provides parents with a clear step-by-step -step protocol of the management of children's behaviors through action, which is followed according to its exact specification, presents a blueprint for handling the complex areas of chinuch, parenting and behavior management of children, both children in volume one and adolescents in volume two who are developing typically. The program does not promise magic, nor does it take pains to ensure parents that chinuch is a comfortable armchair journey through hot chocolate bubble baths and strolls under the warm sun. It challenges parents to do what is right rather than what is comfortable. It aligns itself with the fifth dibra of Kibbutz Aim, lest Klal Yisrael fall prey to current secular parenting philosophies which espouse child rights and entitlement. About 800 years ago, the Mechaber of Sefer Chinuch, also known as the Chinuch, because of his request to remain anonymous, wrote the following to his son while describing mitzvah tes zayin, the Isser of breaking the bones of the Karpen Pesach. The truth and eloquence of his message provided unequivocal clarity about the fact that the street we travel on must be one way, action first. I am going to slowly say his words in both Lush and Kaidish and English. The Al Tachshov Bini, and don't think, my son, 
that you can challenge my words and say, Why does Hashem command us to do all of these things to remember this miracle of Yetzias Mitzrayim? Wouldn't our memory of Yetzias Mitzrayim and the transmission of this legacy to our children be accomplished by doing only one mitzvah? And that this way it won't get forgotten from our children? You should know that such a challenge is devoid of wisdom. And it is devoid of wisdom and immaturity that would cause you to think this way. And now, my son, use your insight. Listen to this. He's speaking to his son. Tilt your ear and concentrate. I will teach you how to use the Taira and the mitzvos for your benefit. Da, no, ki adam nifal A man becomes a product of his actions. Vilibo v'chol machshvosov tamid achar maasov, and his heart and thoughts always. Follow the maisim. Always follow the activities. Shehuoseik b'hem that he is occupied with, im tov, ve'imra, whether good or bad. Va'afilu rasha gamor bilvavo v'chol yeter machshavos libo rak rak olayom. And even a complete rasha whose entire heart and mind are steeped in evil all day. If he would decide to exert effort and involve himself continually with Torah and mitzvahs, even if it was not for the sake of heaven, he will automatically sway toward the good. And from not having any meaningful intentions, he will arrive at the point of having heaven in his mind, and with the strength of his actions, he will kill off the evil inclination, the Yetzahara, because hearts are pulled by actions. And even if a person would be a complete and perfect tzaddik, and his heart would be straight and unflawed, <clears throat> and continually desires Torah and mitzvot. If he were to become involved in foolish things, he's going to give him mashal, for example, that a king hired this individual by force to engage in evil occupation. In truth, if this man were to engage in this evil occupation all day, if that's what would happen, he will eventually become distanced from his righteous heart and become a complete Russia.
because the fact is known and it is true that all people become a product of their actions just as we said and that is why the Chachamim of blessed memory said Hashem wanted to give Klal Yisrael opportunity for Sfusim, therefore he gave them Torah and Mitzvos. This is to imprint all our thoughts and occupations with the Mitzvos, which will make things better for us at the end of the day. Because from all the good actions, we will become righteous and will merit eternal life. And Achachamim of blessed memory hinted this when they said, Whoever has a mezuzah on his entrance, tzitzis on his clothing, and tzvillin on his head, he is guaranteed that he won't sin. Because these mitzvos are constant, and one becomes a product of those continuous actions. Therefore, I want you to examine the occupations you are involved in very carefully. Because after them you will be pulled. And you will not be able to pull them after you. And don't let your Yetzirah tell you. After my heart will be complete and whole with Ebuna in Hashem. What's wrong if I enjoy myself occasionally with pleasures that men engage in? To sit in the marketplaces and the, his, and the streets. To have fun with the jokers and speak nonsense. These things don't bring around about actual sin. I have the right heart just like them. And my finger is thicker than their waist. I'm stronger than them. I'm tougher than them. Why should I worry that they will influence me? Albany, don't my son. Watch out so that you don't get trapped in their net. Many, many people have drunk from their cup of poison. And you must save your soul. So let me ask you this. Now that I gave you this whole drusha, if the Chinuch was so worried about traveling down the one-way street the wrong way 800 years ago, I wonder what he would say today. This precise concern continues to manifest itself during current times when parents make choices in Chinuch and behavior management and therapy and other forms of mental health care that often reflect the readiness and comfort first approach instead of the action first approach. 
the importance of building individuals who can grow through action first was well appreciated by the professor in 2012 and should certainly be familiar to Yidin, who are direct descendants of those who called out Nasa Vanishma, action first, at Harsinai over 3,300 years ago. Those who are willing to take a plunge into the action first, albeit uncomfortable at times, will be truly delighted when they feel inner changes follow soon after. Thanks for listening to my podcast. My name is Dr. S. Yaroslavitz, and I am the director of Handsful, which is committed to the provision of community education in the area of behavior management and cognitive development of children. Send me your parenting questions by going to my website at handsfullchenoch.com or by WhatsApping me at 718-714-8595. I look forward to hearing from you. And remember, no matter how impossible things may seem, the earth will continue rotating on its axis.